Amen. I really enjoyed that new song. That was really worshipful. Yeah, all about it is finished. And, you know, if we can live our lives based on that truth, that Jesus did it all, and now we live out of the overflow of what he's given us, um, what a difference life will be like. You know, in uh, 1941, the Nazis moved on Moscow. And I don't know how familiar you are with World War II, but there's a park in Moscow. I think it's Moskva Park, I think. But this big park is right on the edge of town, and it commemorates the spot where the Nazis were stopped. And it's right, I mean, if you go visit, it's right by the city. The Nazis, if they would have taken Moscow, it would have changed everything. In that battle, the battle for Moscow, Russians, the, the Soviet Union, they lost more men in that battle than Americans and the British combined in all of World War II. In that, it was, it was basically a siege where the Nazis were coming up and the citizens of the city were going out and digging and build, building up berms and helping the army uh, to build up their defenses. And there was one woman who she was seen carrying in her apron uh, just a, a pile of dirt. And she was walking from in the city to out of the city with her apron full of dirt to dump it on the berm. And somebody came up and her hands, she had been digging so much that her hands were covered in blisters and bloody. She couldn't even hold a shovel anymore. So she couldn't be out there, but she was doing that much. And somebody said, why? She said, because I have to do my part. I have to do whatever I can do for this cause. And I think, I mean, that's a big deal. The Nazis coming into Moscow, but what about the kingdom of God? And us as Christians battling and part of it, are we willing to go to that extreme where our hands are blistered and we're carrying dirt in our aprons? We're doing whatever we can for the kingdom, getting uncomfortable. She was willing to get, she didn't sit down and go, well, my hands are bloody. I need some time off. The enemy was there. They were banging at the gates and she did what she could do. And I think that's a really good example as I look at that of what about, what about me? and my Christian life? What about me and my service to Jesus Christ, my King and his kingdom? In 1978, the year before I was born, by the way, in 1978, there was a book written. Uh, and this book listed all of the, the most influential leaders in world history. You know who number one was? Ha, you would think Jesus was Muhammad. Jesus was number two. And the first chapter of the book explained why the writer chose Muhammad instead of Jesus. And he said the reason was because of the sincerity of Muhammad's followers and the apathy of Christians. Now, this was 1978, so this doesn't apply to us anymore. But, but this, was, this was his reasoning then, was as you looked at the, the followers of, of Muhammad, they would go all out. But then the Christians were comfortable and apathetic. And so obviously Muhammad did something better than Jesus to have that much influence over his followers. And that, that cuts a little bit. That cuts a little bit. Today we're going to look at Luke 9 briefly. Because there's going to be a page number popping up here. Um, because I think one of the main reasons why that's the case is Christians or people considering following Jesus, they don't count the cost first. Or they become a follower of Jesus, and then when they're faced with what it might cost, they say no. They decide they don't want to get uncomfortable for the kingdom. But following Jesus necessitates, <laughs> following Jesus means that you will have to give up certain other things. Saying yes to Jesus means saying no to a lot of other things. You know, I wanted to, to point this out. Um, 
You know, a lot of churches have membership, and I've, I've talked about that before, that the average church has one out of four members show up any Sunday. So if you have 400 members, you'll have 100 there on a, on a Sunday. Um, common ground, not to toot our horn, 95% of those who are all in ministers here are involved serving. 90%. I think it's 90%. That's really, really good. So my, my point in saying that is, I don't want you to feel guilty. Oh, we're not serving enough. We're doing a pretty good job. We can do a lot better. I can do a lot better. But we're doing a good job. But I wanted, I really felt led to go to this to warn us. Because we are, we're praying about vision. We're praying about what God wants us to do. Um, and you're going to be, you, if you're in a group, you're involved in these discussions, hopefully already. And we're going to have more of these conversations. But it's going to mean some things that, that maybe we're not excited about, possibly. It may mean some things that we're, we don't feel ready for or we don't really want. It may mean we get uncomfortable for what God wants to do. And I think that's okay. <laughs> I think that's okay when we understand the gospel. So look at Luke, if you would. Luke 9, 57 to 62. Jesus is walking along and he's teaching. And here he's going to talk about three individuals who said they wanted to follow Jesus. They wanted to follow, but they had stipulations. Let me read these verses. Luke 9, 57 to 62. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the, the dead bury their own dead but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service of the kingdom of God. Lord Jesus Christ, help us to understand what you're trying to say in these verses, what you are saying. Help us to understand and apply it accurately to where we are here in the 21st century, Carson City. Jesus' name, amen. Basically, what Jesus is saying in these verses is, what is required to be my follower is single-minded devotion to me. That's his big idea. And if you're going to follow me, it's going to cost. Saying yes to me means saying no to a lot of other things. And this is so applicable, especially in our American church, where we can say yes to Jesus and still say yes to everything else also, where we can bring it all together and, and be comfortable. But here you see there's several things. Three individuals say they're going to follow him. And the first one, the first one is going to cost, what's it going to cost that first guy? What's it say? It's, it's interesting how Jesus replies, but he, he says, I'll follow you wherever you go. Basically, Jesus says, I don't have a home. So if you follow me, you may be homeless like I am. I don't have a home. I don't have a nest. You know, foxes have, have holes. I don't even have a hole. Are you willing to give up the security of a house? Not a, a home necessarily, but a house. Someplace to be comfortable. Will you give that up to follow me? And it looks like this man wasn't willing. But it may mean being homeless. It may mean maybe having a much smaller house than what you would want. Giving up something else. That's a big deal. What's the second one? The second one, he says, let me go first bury my father. Now, that one, you know, saying yes to Jesus there means saying no to some of the customs. Uh, commentators would say probably 
His dad wasn't dead yet. His father wasn't dead, but maybe he was on his deathbed. He was going to be dead soon. And as the oldest son, it was his responsibility in the culture to, to make the preparations, to be there until dad was buried. Maybe even, you know, their custom was to bury the dead. And then a year later to take those bones from the tomb and rebury them. So he could be saying, you know, maybe in a year or two, I'll follow you. And Jesus' point in this is saying, no, you follow me now. Yeah, you have these other customs and these things that you need to do, but you can't put off following me until you get done these other things. Follow me. And in, in this culture, it's going to cost him. If he walked away from his family, said, I'm not going to do that part right now. That was going to be a big deal with his customs. His family would have kicked him out probably. And so choosing to follow Jesus, saying yes to Jesus means saying no to these comfortable relations maybe that we've known before changing our customs, changing our traditions. Here's what came to mind for me. Maybe some of us were raised Catholic or other traditions where, where you do infant baptism and some of those things. And so you come to know Christ and now all the things your parents expect you to do with your family, you're not going to do those things anymore. You're going to follow Christ. That's what it costs to say yes to Jesus means saying no to a lot of other things. But then the third one, the third one, uh, he, he comes to, to Jesus. He says, I want to follow you. But he says, let me first go say goodbye to my family. Now, here we have kind of a play on what happened with Elijah and Elisha in the Old Testament. Because Elijah went to Elisha. Elisha was plowing when he got the call. When Elisha said, follow me. And Elisha said, first, let me so go say goodbye. So he took all his oxen. Uh, he killed some, gave some away. He, he, and he burned all his implements. Basically, he said goodbye to his old life, burned it all up and said, I'm done with that. He couldn't go back to farming because he, he got rid of it all. You know, kind of like the fishermen in the New Testament, remember, they, they try and go back to fishing. And Jesus says, no, be fishers of men. Elisha was the same way. And so Jesus here, he, he said, if you're gonna follow me, you need to say goodbye to your old way of life. And he uses this example of the plow. He says, if, the, if you're plowing and you look back, basically, you're unfit for the kingdom. So if you're plowing in that day and age, you know, they didn't have GPS and stuff, but they would put a stake at the end of the row and they would drive their oxen or their donkeys or whatever, and they'd keep their eye on that stake to make a nice straight row. If you look back, you know, you could pull a little bit and, oh, you'll get one of these going. Uh, and I've heard the stories that in a farming community, even now, you know, that's kind of a big deal because you'll be walking down the street and you can see so-and-so's field and go, they don't know what they're doing. But the danger here, the point in this hole is looking back. The point is looking back. And I think this is extremely relevant for us. When we say yes to Jesus, we're saying yes to his mission. We're saying no to a lot of things that we used to know, a lot of things we used to do. Maybe for some of us, it's a party lifestyle and it takes a little time to get over that. Um, maybe it's some other things, but saying yes to Jesus means saying no to a lot of other things. And here's, I think one of the big applications for me personally is I said yes to Jesus a long, long time ago. But then there was a point where I had to say yes to Jesus again with a specific mission, with what we're doing. I had to say yes, and it meant saying no to other things. It meant getting uncomfortable. It meant being scary. And for me, and even right now as we talk, it's saying no to really some of what I knew in church. The comfort, church gets comfortable. You know, Callie and I have been talking about it now. We're comfortable right now. We're comfortable which goes, uh-oh, <laughs> if we're comfortable, that means maybe there needs to be an adjustment. We're not totally comfortable, but being on mission for God is uncomfortable. Getting in relationships, you know, we're supposed to be a family. So that's why we do groups and we're doing groups together. Guess what? Families are messy. We've talked about the dance of the porcupine. 
Families are messy. Getting in relationships is messy. It's hard. But being uncomfortable for God is kind of what it's about. We don't want to stay comfortable. So that's kind of for us as we're praying about vision, where God wants to lead us, we really feel that this is going to be a thing again. So this is why I wanted to look at this. If you're saying yes to Jesus, it means saying no to other things, and it may mean you're going to get uncomfortable. So show of hands, who wants to get uncomfortable? Like four. Okay, so the rest of you are honest. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but it's okay. I want us to be aware. I want us to be prepared that we're not trying to build a comfortable house where we can be a bunch of Christians in a bubble and, and have fun together. We want to be about his kingdom, which means saying no to a lot of other things. Um, I want just to share that and, and then to use that to transition to talk to Kevin Dixon. So Kevin Dixon, I think we have a picture. I met Kevin years ago. Kevin, that's awesome. There it is. Um, that's Kevin's family. They are missionaries to the Czech Republic not Czechoslovakia. That ceased to exist a while ago. Um, but the Czech Republic, and the, here's what I liked about Kevin when I met Kevin, is he, he's a missionary and he works for a missions organization, but he also understands church. He understands the purpose of the church and that the church is the answer to all the world's problems because Jesus, through his church, is going to grow his kingdom, save lives. Uh, but what they do is unique because they are really all about reaching the lost and bringing them then into a church, but reaching them where they're at. Rather than the typical church model of we're going to make something really cool, now come to us. Kevin's all about going to them, and uh, I wouldn't be comfortable doing what he's doing, so I'm not going to. Um, yet. Yet. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> you know, he tried to get me to think about going and joining them before we did this, so... Um, so, yeah, right. Um, so Kevin, come, come up here. Um, oh, wait, we have a video first. See, Paul messed up. I messed up. It's all good. Let's watch that video.
So this is Kevin. Kevin is, is the missionary there for the Czech Republic, um, and he's going to share, but I, I wanted to point out one thing before he shares. Um, is that your cricket impression? No, it's just not working. Oh, did you turn it on? Okay. It's different here. It's upside down. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, we, uh, at Common Ground, we don't partner with a whole bunch of missionaries. We currently are partner, partnering with two, Ryan Ashley in Ireland and the Dixons. And we're doing that on purpose uh, because we want to partner with like-minded missionaries, but where we want to be involved with what they're doing. We don't want to just send checks uh, because we are behind what they're doing. We agree with what they're doing. And I've, I've tried to get groups to go for a couple of years, and it's been my fault that it hasn't worked out. Um, but he's going to share about opportunities. It's really a partnership because the kingdom is worldwide and we're part of the kingdom. And so this isn't a missionary just telling you what they're doing so we can clap and say, good job. This is, we're already part of it and uh, pay attention to see where maybe you should be part of it. So Great. take it away. All right, here we go. Is this on? Yeah, maybe a little bit louder. But, um, so the beginning of that video kind of got cut off and it started with saying, King Josiah was 16 years old when he inherited the throne. And we find that in the book of Second Kings um, and it's an amazing story. He was six years old, and in the 16th year of his, of his uh, reign as king, he said, we got to clean up the city. This city is just dirty and nasty. We got to clean it up a little bit. And in the process of that, they found the book of the law, which we know is the Bible, or the Old Testament. And the priest brought it in front of King Josiah, and they said, Josiah, we'd love to read this book in front of you. They read it to him. Immediately, King Josiah was cut to the heart and said, we, like our fathers and our forefathers before them, have abandoned God. And we need, to, we need to bring this country back into a right relationship with God. And so that's what Josiah Venture is about. We believe that there are literally hundreds of Josiahs out there in Central and Eastern Europe. And we are out there seeking them, partnering with them. And we are excited to see as they grow, their churches and their ministries flourish. And so if we can go up this vision statement here, fast forward a couple slides. To see a movement of God among the youth of Eastern and Central Europe that finds its home in the local church and transforms society. That's what Josiah Venture is all about. We're completely about, we want to see a movement of God. A movement is, is active. It's flowing. It's going in and out. Sometimes it moves over here. Sometimes it moves over here. Sometimes it takes us into those really dark areas that we don't want to go to. Sometimes it forces us out of our box, but it's a movement of God among the youth of Eastern in Central Europe. And that's where we believe God's called us specifically is Central and Eastern Europe. My wife and I specifically serve in the Czech Republic. But as an organization, we are across all, all 14 of those countries up there on that map. For those of you that don't know where the Czech Republic is, or it's been a while since you've studied European geography, it's right there in the center. That star is where we live, surrounded by Poland, Slovakia, Germany off to the left. 14 countries, all former communistic countries that we are now serving in working with churches, coming alongside them to see that movement of God among the youth. Why the youth? Statistically speaking, youth, the primary demographic for, uh, for people who come to faith later in life, who aren't born into the church family or didn't, they weren't raised in the church, that primary demographic, somewhere around 80 to 90% across the world, happens between the age of 14 and 26. And so if you're in, a, if you're in an environment like the Czech Republic, which is one of the most atheistic countries on earth, we're less than half a percent of the country are evangelical Christians. I'll put that in numbers. Where 50,000 Christians total live in the country. If your primary demographic is that and you're trying to reach the lost, you go after the youth. 
Because the youth are going to be that next generation of leaders. They're going to be the next politicians. They're going to be the next lawyers. They're going to be the next teachers. And it filters down. So for the last 20 years, we've been pursuing youth, and we're starting to see the, the tide change. It's really exciting. It's a movement of God among the youth of Central and Eastern Europe that finds its home in the local church and transforms society. It has to be in the local church. It has to be with the bride of Christ. Because if we're not working with the church, then we're parachurch. And not only parachurch, we're outside of the church. And we don't want to be doing that. We want to be coming alongside the church and say, what are your needs? What do you need as a church to be able to help grow your ministries over here? And so one of the very first things that we do is we step into them and we say, how can we do this? We want to see the local church grow. How do you get the lost and expose them to the gospel? Jesus says, come and see. Come and see what that looks like. Just take, you don't have to commit to anything, but come and see. Expose them to the gospel. We want to step them through evangelization. And Christ calls us to, and says, I want you to make a decision to repent and believe. And then we move into this state of building up a Christian. Follow me, he says. Follow me. Trust me. And then he takes one step further and he says, don't just follow me, but follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And that's how you equip them. How do we equip people to not just follow Christ, not just sit in that chair on Sunday morning, not just show up to youth group, but how do you become a fisher of men? How do you go out and evangelize and equip them to move forward? And then to send them out. And he says, I will send you. I am sending you. It's actually, if you go back to the original text, it actually is in the present tense. I am sending you. And it's exciting to see what that's happening. It's exciting to see that stuff is moving, that God is moving in a place that 25 years ago, how many of you remember the wall? A lot of you will. 89. 89, that wall came down. In 91, just for some reference, we are no longer Czechoslovakia. In 91, that we split off it and put that back together. But in 89, that wall came down, and the gospel started flourishing. We're up to 50,000 Christians now. And we hope to just keep seeing more and more and more. So we're sending that out. But what does that look like for us? So because... I mean, obviously, I can, I can work here with Alex for a little bit and say, okay, and I can invest all of my life and time into him, and he'll go out and disciple some more people. It grows and grows and grows. But we said we want to go even further than that. We don't want to just do one-to-one. -one. We want to build church partnerships across the country. There are 220 churches total in the Czech Republic that have youth groups right now. We've partnered with 103 of them, saying we want to come alongside you guys and work with what that is. So we're partnering with 103 churches right now, developing out their staff, developing out youth leaders. Again, not doing the ministry for them, but coming alongside through trainings, through mentoring, through Skype phone calls, through Zoom meetings. That's my new one that we're excited about. Zoom it just came to Europe. So um, I don't know if you know what that is. I just found out like three weeks ago. So it's like Skype for groups, basically. Um, all kinds of ways to be able to partner with people, to build relationships, to take them from that first stage that Christ challenges us to come and see all the way up to, be, to, uh, to I'm sending you, to be building that up. And so let's look at this map. Let's look at this map. It's a country, that's the Czech Republic right there, or Czechia, as Google calls it. 103 churches across the country that we're in active relationship with, that somebody from our staff is actually talking to right now. Maximum, that, well, that'll be a phone call at every 14 days at maximum. Usually it's a weekly conversation, 
daily text messages, coming in, talking to them, leading their youth groups through different uh, activities and all kinds of stuff. And as we develop out those youth ministries, we want to come alongside them and say, so what does your church need? Because you have to remember, in a country of 50,000 Christians, with only 222, uh, 220 churches that have youth groups, most youth groups are sitting somewhere around eight to nine people. Most churches sit somewhere around 65. That seems to be the magic number right now. 65 total people coming. That usually includes kids, by the way. And so how do you then build out, how do you take a, a small group of Christians and you move them outside of their box and get them into schools? How do you get them into sports activities? How do you do it? And so as, as an organization, we come alongside them and we say, we want to help you grow and we want to give you opportunities to be able to go out outside of your church and serve. And so we have ways uh, to be able to get into public high schools to teach prevention programs, similar to the D.A.R.E. program here in the United States. So let's talk about, let's talk about drug abuse. Let's talk about alcoholism. Let's talk about um, relationships. Let's talk about divorce. Let's talk about what it means to grow up in a broken family. Let's talk about abuse and internet safety. We'll talk about all of that, and we can actually train youth pastors to be lecturers that are certified and credited by the government to go into public high schools to be able to teach these topics. And they'll go in, they'll start teaching, and then during the break they'll say, and if you want to know a little bit more about what the spiritual aspect of this looks like, I'd love to share about Jesus with you. Suddenly I have a youth pastor now who's got a door into an open public high school to share to Christ. Or maybe it's that maybe the youth pastor's like, you know what, I don't, I'm not a great teacher, but I love playing football, soccer, sorry, I'm from Europe. Um, I love playing soccer. And so we'll come alongside and say, we'd love to be able to help start up an edge sports club, just playing soccer, playing floorball. Floorball's kind of like hockey, but with tennis shoes. Um, lots of different things. Uh, CrossFit is starting to get really uh, building out in Europe right now, and so we've we figured out ways to be able to do all of these things in a Christian context. Again, getting the youth minister and the youth group empowered to be able to do ministry in their city. Maybe it's an English camp or a music camp during the summer, and we'll partner them with a, with a church back here in the United States, and we'll bring a couple of you all over to Central Eastern Europe to be able to teach English and build relationships with kids for a week with a local church that you're partnered with over there. Or maybe it's music. Maybe your passion is music. And so we figured out a way to be able to take a youth group and turn a youth group into an outreach-style gospel rock choir where you can come in and you can learn how to play guitar. And within three months, we promise you that you'll be able to play a little guitar solo up on stage in front of all of your friends in school. That's going to be like three notes, and it's not going to be all that great. But you'll get that opportunity. Because most teenagers that I know are saying, I want to be up on stage, or I want to dance, or I'm into computers and I want to do technology things and play with big moving lights and speakers that are really big or design websites or be creative, do photography. And so whatever we can do to come alongside those churches and say, how can we build out your programs? How can we get you to expose the church and expose Christ to these students? We want to come alongside them and do it. And it's fantastic. We're loving it. It sounds to me like your goal is to send everyone, like everyone's supposed to be sent? Yes. Is that yeah. biblical? Um, as a pastor, I'm hoping you know the answer. <laughs> yes! <laughs> yes! Derek and I have a really great relationship. We've known each other for a long time. So, yes. It, Jesus says, I'm sending you. I'm sending you. 
we should be going out and doing it. And for some of us, that's really hard. I gotta be honest, it's hard for me. I do this full time, 50 hours a week, I'm doing this. I'm con I live on the other side, I live nine time zones away. I flew in yesterday. I'm trashed right now. It should be like, it's, it's time to go to bed. That means tired, right? Yes, okay. yes, I'm completely <laughs> exhausted right now. I'm, I'm ready to go to bed. But he says, I'm sending you. I'm equipping others. I want you to go out. I want you to get out of your comfort zone a little bit. And I want you to do that with people. It's not by yourself, but it's in community. And so we're going out and we're sending people. Statistically, just real quick, because I think it's important to see this just for context, 103 churches in partnership. Last year, we saw 901 students make a profession of faith last year. In one of the most atheistic countries in the world, 901 students. And those are students, I have a name for every single one of those numbers. And then just shy of 1,600 people were, of students were trained in discipleship and evangelism. That those things go hand in hand. It's not just evangelism. It's not just discipleship. It's the whole deal all together. And stuff's, it's, it's happening, guys. It's happening right now. In a context where God, for so long, under communism, it was said, you're not allowed to share. You're not allowed to share. God is moving over there in amazing ways. Now, can you give us any examples? Because, you know, I've been involved with mission stuff a lot through, through my life and things. And, and a lot of times you see groups go and they do stuff, but there's not much fruit. It's more like, like uh, free travel for sure. Christian kids. Sure. Sure. <laughs> um, do you have any stories of actual life change? Of For sure. Um, I think one of the things that's really important is we've actually come up with an idea. We, you can send people all over the world and you, know, you can do things and it's a great Christian service trip or really it's an opportunity for somebody to go see a different part of the world, which is important. I think you should see a different part of the world. We've actually said we really want you because as an American, you're naturally designed to be able to step into relationship. There's something about being American. You walk through the door and every single one of you, did, I stood back there and every single one of you did do it. You walked right past me and smiled at me. Consciously or subconsciously, we just do it. It's, it's part of who we are. We smile when we see other people, we say hi, we greet, we just, we step into relationship. Even if, if it's awkward relationship, we do that naturally. Europe, not so much. Here, I'll show you, I'll teach all of you how to do, this is a really interesting thing. So Americans, when we smile, for whatever reason, we have to open our mouths and stick at least three fingers in our mouth. And it's like, <laughs> this is a European smile. That's my happy look. You don't even want to know what my sad look looks like. <laughs> so as a Mary, we need you to be a part of this. And so we really do want it. But we also want the leaders to be growing that as well. And so I think we've got two pictures up here. This first one, uh, this is David over here on the left. David, he's actually working on his American smile right now. <laughs> so David, David, David Nitra. Um, this is a guy, this is a gentleman I met a couple years ago. Um, phenomenal, phenomenal heart for student ministry. We started working with him. He built out an entire youth ministry in a city where there was only really three Christians in the city. Um, built out an entire youth ministry, built it up, and said, we're not just going to serve the people that are similarly, um, if you know Europe, we're all kind of single-colored um, not a whole lot of black people or dark-skinned people anywhere in Europe. And he said, you know what, we got to fix that. I want this church to be a multi-nationality multi church. And so he went out to the Roma. He went out to other people in the city, and he said, I want to come alongside. I want to bring you in. Nobody was doing outreach to the, that people group. 
And so he went out and he built out an entire youth group. And then he built out his leadership team. And after three years, he said, guys, you got this. I'm moving on. And he moved about a half hour away and planted another church. And he said, I'm, and, and he's still in contact with his first youth group. And they're doing fantastic. They do an English camp with us every year. But he said, you got this. You got this. And I'm going to go develop some other people. So this is David, one of, uh, just one of my guys that I'm absolutely just a huge fan of. This next guy, I think that we got up here. This is Tomash. Tomash I first met when he was 10 years old. Started working with him. That's his baby, baby daughter, daughter, Mia, up there. Um, Tomash was 10 years old when I first met him. He had hair all the way down to beyond. Um, good kid. You couldn't get two words out of him. If you would say, hey, hey Tomash, how you doing today? He would immediately just turn red, at like, like just red splotches all over his face, and he couldn't get three words out of his mouth. We started walking with him, started doing Bible studies with him, started talking with him, talking more, encouraging more, encouraging more. At 18, Tomas planted a church. That church now has about 50 people going to it on a weekly basis. At 18, he planted a church, and it's thriving and growing. And they're already right now talking about how do we plan another. He's 20, 20 right now. 20 year old saying, how do we plant more? How do we grow out the kingdom of God? How do we do more? This is what's happening in Central and Eastern Europe right now. God is moving in incredible ways. And you're all a part of it. And I want that to be really clear. It's not just Kevin and Daniela Dixon over there. We oversee a whole lot of things, Danielle and I. We oversee all of those church relationships, all 103 of them. So we know all those youth pastors. We're making sure that we've got different staff working with them at different times. But we oversee all those things. But you support us. And so all of you are supporting 103 churches. And you're in relationship with 103 churches. And I'm really thankful for that. Really thankful for that. Kevin, that's exciting to me, the... the Church planting, obviously, we you know church planting is, is something I'm big behind, <laughs> is, is spreading because that's where most of evangelism takes place in church plants and moving on. Um, you know, that's very much in line with, with who we are, our DNA. How can we be more involved in, in what's going on? For sure. So um, Derek already said and, and kind of set this whole thing up. Um, we're one of two missionaries that the church as a whole supports. Um, a lot of our support comes from individuals. And so that's definitely something that, that's, that is a, pop, a possibility. But again, it's not about a check. When we step into partnership with somebody, we actually want to step into partnership and relationship. And so there's going to be communication back and forth. We'd love to be able to send you information and emails of how we're doing, um, the nice happy one that we get at the end of the year, which is full of smiles, and then the one that happens throughout the year that's full of the, this is really hard. Um, pray for this. Um, pray for the student because this is getting to critical mass and it could blow up and and we've got this situation over here, and, and right now we're dealing with in our youth group, we've got a, we've got a girl, um, Zuska, uh, Zuz, uh, Susie in English. Um, Zuska, her parents, um, her parents have stepped into this, uh, this time of their lives where every time they get a paycheck, which is about 14 days, um, the first thing they go out and do is they buy as much alcohol as that paycheck will cover, come home, drink their entire paycheck, and then beat on her and yell at her. And social services is a lot uglier in Europe than it is in Czech, or yeah, than it is here in the States.
And so we're dealing with how, as, as a church, can we come alongside this person? We've got another couple, um, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, trying to get their lives together. So they moved away from, out of that situation, moved into our city, started coming to our church. But the kids got uprooted out of where they were, and now they're in a new city. Everybody knows that their mom and dad are, you know, not the best people in the world. They're getting picked on at school. They're getting abused. They're getting beat on. They're getting teased. How do you come along with those students? And so we invited those two students to come to us with, uh, to come to our camp this summer. Um, at the end of camp, they said, I can't wait for next year because this is where all my friends are. And you're a part of that. And we want to be able to share those stories with you. So we'd love to be able to, we've got some sign-up sheets in the back just for information. You can get an email. I won't spam you, trust me. Like, it's just as much effort to write that email as it is for you to read it. So I totally get that. Um, but we also want you to come. We want you to come. And so Derek said, like, we're thinking about sending a group. So summer opportunities are able to come. You can come during the school year. We offer a school year trip that's only 10 days. So you're out for a week and then a day and a day. Um, and that's very accessible even within a work situation. You come over and jump right into ministry with us, come alongside us, um, and share, share the gospel in public high schools, uh, summer programs, music, sports, English camps, um, and then internships. If you're a college kid or going into college, here's Saren. There's the two of them. Um, <laughs> internships are available. I mean, I didn't put the other poster, but a summer internship in Europe, getting to go around, partnering with churches, and, and, and not only developing other churches, but getting developed yourself. It really is a one-of-a-lifetime opportunity. Cool. Yeah, I'd be excited. If, if one of these days we can send a group, um, or even just a few of us partnering, there's other churches in town sending groups uh, that we can, we can team up with. We don't have to do it all by ourselves. So um, that may be the first step. Maybe one of you, two of you, four of you want to join a trip and then you can bring it back and go, okay, now we'll organize the next one. So um, if that's you, talk to me or talk to Kevin after the, the service as well. He'll be around. Cool. Great. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Kevin. You guys don't clap for me. <laughs> uh, let me, let me, uh, I want to pray for Kevin and the Dixons, Dixons and Josiah Venture, and then we'll transition. Uh, Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for the work that you're doing in the Czech Republic. It's exciting to see fruit. Uh, that's what excites me, that a lot of times we seem to work so hard and, and do all these things, and we want to see the kingdom grow, and it is. Uh, there's lives being changed, and I just thank you so much. Uh, Jesus, you, you said... Uh, that on this rock, the truth of you being the Messiah, that you would build your church. You didn't say that we have to work hard to build your church, but you would build your church. But you do it through us, and we are available. And so, God, I just uh, I thank you that the Dixons are available, and I pray that you would lead us to be available however you want us to be available, here in our local context, but also overseas um, or other states, however you would want to move us to go move for you. I pray that, that that would be the case. And I pray that those numbers that we heard, that half percent, that in the next year or two years that we get to see that number is drastically increased, that there really is a movement of people coming to know you and growing in you and being sent for you. Um, Jesus' name, amen. Well, now we are going to celebrate we're going to celebrate this new life we have in Christ. We're going to celebrate the fact that it is finished, that it is, we are free, that we now get to serve out of the overflow of who Christ 
is in us, not earn anything. And so we're going to take communion. We're going to do it the way we've been doing. We have one set here and one set here. And so as we uh, begin this song, if you would just get up and, and come down the aisle and grab the elements and then take them back to your seat um, or sit somewhere, but take them on your own. We're not going to take them to, together today. So this is your chance to spend some time in prayer, uh, to spend some time talking to the Lord. Remember, communion uh, this is the Lord's Supper. It is for those who belong to Jesus Christ. So if you have not surrendered to Jesus Christ as Lord, just don't, don't partake. Sit there, pray, whatever that is, awesome. If you want to give your life to Christ now and then partake, that would be awesome. Do that. Come grab me. Come grab Kevin or Alex, anybody in the front row here. Grab somebody, give your life to Christ, then take the Lord's Supper. Um, kids, parents, this is between you and your kids. If the kid has given their life to Christ, they've surrendered, then they can partake. But that is up to you as, as parents uh, to gauge that. But this is a celebration. I want to read Psalm 100. It's a psalm for giving thanks. It says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Kevin, can I ask you to stand and pray for the bread and the cup? Thank you. Father, we are so thankful for the sacrifice that you did on that cross. that in the middle of everything that was going on, you were on a mission that you would give in your life for us to be able to have relationship with our Father. And we'll never understand the pain and the struggle that, we, that you went through, but we're so thankful that you did, that that body was beaten and broken, and with the bread we get to remember that that blood was shed, and with the cup, we get to remember that as well. Thank you for the sacrifice. Thank you for the relationship that we have with you now. Amen. Amen. Mm -hmm.